you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, October 27th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we continue to give out report card grades to the Orioles players here from the 2021 Major League Baseball season. And today, we move on to really the top flight relievers that the Orioles had this year. And today, we're going to talk about just two guys, but two guys who really stuck in the Orioles' bullpen for most of the year and were big parts of the Orioles' pen as really two of the three top right-handed pitchers that Brandon Hyde could go to out of the bullpen this year. That is Dylan Tate and Cole Sulser. And we'll give out grades to both of those guys, and we'll be joined by Joe Paparato. He's been on this podcast a few times before, and he is the sports producer over at WBAL-TV 11 in Baltimore. And Joe's coming on to talk about a group of four relievers. We're actually going to talk with him on today's episode about Sulser and about Tate, and then he'll be back with us on tomorrow's episode to talk Tanner Scott and Paul Fry. But today, we're getting into the two righties in Tate and Salser. We'll talk about Dylan Tate's kind of roller coaster season, where he fits in long term with the Orioles, and then we'll talk Cole Salser, who gets one of the higher grades for the Orioles. Was he really the best Orioles reliever in 2021? Could he be a trade chip moving forward? And what can the Orioles expect from him as he, you know, is an older guy at this point? Not older, older, but, you know, he's getting into his early 30s there. And uh, can the Orioles expect him to still be peaking like he did? in 2021. So that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me every week to talk Orioles and get in on the action at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. And before we get to our report card grades in this episode, did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast platforms. And remember, we are the only podcast bringing you Orioles content five days a week, Monday through Friday, even here in the offseason. You wake up, you got a brand new episode of Locked on Orioles in your inbox, wherever you listen to your pods, and you can hear about the Orioles. I know many of you listen to other baseball podcasts, most of them though, focused on the World Series here, focused on honestly the teams that are winning more games, which is perfectly fine. But if you want Orioles content every day, you come right here to Locked on Orioles. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on this podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen at the moment. And also specifically, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could scroll down on that Apple Podcasts app, leave a rating and a review on the pod. It really, really helps us out a whole lot. Five-star rating, just a little review what you think about the pod. Could be a comment about the Orioles. Could be a question that you want answered on the show. We will look at those reviews and answer them on upcoming shows as well. But again, we thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. And on today's first listen, we continue our 2021 Orioles season report card grade series. Today we go to kind of the main group of relief pitchers that the Orioles used this year. And we're going to talk about two of the top used right-handers out of the O's bullpen. That is Dylan Tate and Cole Sulser. And Joe Paparato, again, the sports producer over at WBAL-TV 11, is going to join us once again here on the podcast, talk about Tate's up-and-down season, his future with the O's, and Sulser maybe being the Orioles' best reliever, and could he be a closer for the Orioles in 2022? But again, that's all coming up right now with Joe Paparato. We're giving out grades to the Orioles' right-handed relievers, Dylan Tate and Cole Sulser. And uh, Joe, first of all, thank you so much for uh, hopping back on the podcast. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. I love doing the the end of season grades with you every year. I like yeah. it. So we're uh, we're getting to relievers today, and uh, we with you are going to talk about. You know, I, I joked about this uh, before we hopped on the air, but probably the four relievers, probably the only guy not in this group is Tyler Wells, who I would put in this group as well. Who for at least stretches of the season, you could count on to get people out out of the Orioles bullpen. There there were times this year where there were not a lot of guys back there who could do that. Um, but we're going to talk about Dylan Tate and Cole Salser here uh, to start it off. A couple of righties who actually were the two guys who really kind of were healthy at the end. If you kind of think back to those last three weeks of the season or so, they were really the only two like guys that Brandon Hyde could even half trust, uh, which was tough for the Orioles at the end. But but let's start with Dylan Tate, who I feel like is just such an interesting player because he's been in the Orioles bullpen, you know, essentially since 2019. And he's just kind of been there. And I don't think he's ever been amazing. He's never been terrible. He's just kind of been there. So it was the same kind of season. So what kind of grade do you give Tate for this year? Yeah, I, I completely agree. As I was going over a season, I was sort of just like, okay, yeah, uh, he's a pitcher. Um, you know, he, he's one of the last pieces or remaining pieces of that big trade haul that they got from a few seasons ago, which is surprising that he's been the one that kind of stuck around. And you're right. He's just a, he's just a, a, a guy. He's there. Um, I am, I'll, I'll start off with my grade and I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to start and I'm going to give him a, a C minus and it might be a little, uh, it might be a little harsh, but as I was going over his numbers, I mean, just on, on the surface alone, you're really not going to see much, um, you know, a four, three, nine ERA. Okay. Middle reliever. Fine. He did have a lot of innings, a lot more than he's used to. Um, but he's not a strikeout guy. So that's where you're like, okay, he's just a guy, Well, he's not a guy that can come in against certain matchups and, and get that strikeout. And he's not reliable in that aspect. He's more of a, a pitch to contact guy. Um, you know, he has a pretty heavy sinker. He has good stuff, but he doesn't, um, I don't think he commands it very well. Um, he was he was given opportunities to be in high leverage situations um, in in the back end, like you said, towards the end of the year when it was he and Salser uh, being the only reliable guys. Um, he did not thrive very well in high leverage situations. Um, uh, in those situations, teams uh, take seventy seven off of him, twenty for fifty three. And 10 of those 20 hits are extra base hits. Uh, so when you're in the eighth and ninth innings, when it's getting runs on, he wasn't getting the job done. Um, he leaves his sinker up. His sinker is very good. It's got a lot of movement on it, uh, but he leaves it up too much. Um, and he de- definitely has to work on that. But after a few years of being on this team, I thought that he would really take that step forward or at least be a little more reliable. Um, he did finish out strong. Um, his last 11 innings, he only gave up one run. Um, and that's the type of guy I, you know, I thought he would be with the stuff that he has. Um, he only has, he has a fastball slider change. Um, that fastball is sort of like a sinker fastball, I guess, in a way. Um, but uh, not only that, he, he also allowed a lot of inherited runners to score. Um, so he wasn't reliable, but in some spots he was, he was just way too up and down for me. And I thought that he would take that step forward and he just kind of never did. 
Yeah, I'm going to go in the C range as well. I'm going to give him a C plus. I'll be a little bit nicer to him, but I kind of said this multiple times uh, throughout the season is that like Dylan Tate might be the player I thought about the least in terms of guys who will probably be on the Orioles next year. He was probably the guy I thought about the least throughout the season, because I think we can all agree, like he'll be back in the Orioles bullpen in 2022. There's nothing he did to, you know, get DFA or anything this off season. Sure. You know, he's still a young controllable arm, even though he's 27, it was a little later to the big leagues for him because of injuries and all the trades that he went through. But you gotta remember, you know, he was the fourth overall pick by the Rangers way back when, when yeah. he was a starter. And, you know, he kind of reminds me, he, he is obviously a less talented version of like Brewster Gratterall, the reliever for the Dodgers, who has this just unbelievable stuff. When you just look at stuff like a, you know, high nineties fastball that moves like crazy with a good breaking ball. And yet neither of those guys strike anybody out. And you look at him and you go, how does he throw a 97 mile per hour sinker that moves that much? And yes, when he's on, he gets a lot of grounders, but how do guys not swing and miss it? That's pitch more. And he has a good changeup that moves a lot. And his slider, when he is good, like his slider is actually good. And and he had some stretches this year. There was, there was actually a time in the middle of the year. uh, I believe it was in July this year when the Orioles, uh, there was a couple of injuries, you know, they were trying to figure out who was the closer and take out a couple of save opportunities. And he actually, I think converted back-to-back save opportunities uh, at one point in July. And he had a really good June as well. That was his best month. So kind of right there in the middle of the season, he was at his best and then he kind of struggled in August. And as you said, he did finish strong, but it's just so up and down that you look at it at the end of the year and it's 67 and two thirds innings, which led all Orioles full-time relievers this year. So we saw him the most out of anybody. And again, you know, a four, three, nine ERA. He's one of those guys. It's, it's, on, you know, a 439 ERA, a 440 FIP, which means, you know, the peripherals look just exactly the same, basically, as the ERA looks. Right, right. It's just an interesting guy to watch pitch. And, you know, one more thing on it that I wanted to ask you about it before we get to, to Cole Salser is that, like, I don't think Tate will ever sustain for, you know, longer than a couple of weeks what he did at the middle of this year when he became the Orioles closer for a little bit and was looking really good. But I also don't think just because of the stuff and, you know, the the length he can give, like he's a guy who can go out there and give you two innings. I don't think he'll ever just become a guy who's, you know, DFA in the middle of the season next year. So I wanted to ask you, like, it, it's kind of an interesting question because, you know, he still does have a lot of team control. Like, do you think he's a guy who just kind of plays out the rest of his, you know, rookie contract essentially with the Orioles? And then by that point, he's kind of, less effective and he's just like a career middle reliever? That's a really good question. Um, I think a lot, there's a lot of moving parts as far as that goes. Um, the, the building of a bullpen can take a while. Um, and he has been here for a few years now. So I think they do know what they're going to get. He's not a strikeout guy. He's a pitch to contact. He's got good, he's got good stuff, but he doesn't command it well. Um, and I think he could be the type of guy that sticks around. He comes in for an inning, maybe in the sixth, gets a few outs, is serviceable enough. Um, but I don't think he's ever going to be that back end type guy. I don't think all of a sudden he's going to be the back end type guy, unless somehow he can start commanding that sinker really well sort of how we saw Zach Britton do it. Not quite like Zach Britton. Uh, Britton. That's not never, never going to happen, but that can be his out pitch. Um, I think he relies too much on that, um, that it's, it's getting hit a lot. Um, but uh, it's, it, it's hard to say, you know, whether the Orioles go out and try to, in free agency, get some relievers. Um, 
steps and see kind of how the foundation goes. Cause there's, there's no foundation of this, of this bullpen. There's a lot of guys that you feel like they could be leftovers and can move you towards a winning season. Um, but like, we're going to be talking about it. You know, there's, there's better options. Um, so I, I think he will stick around. I don't think that there's any teams clamoring for Dylan Tate. Um, so we'll see what happens in the offseason of how they want to try and get some relievers on the market or some other waiver claims. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's just a guy. He, he could be a middle reliever, get some outs, pitch to contact. Um, but I don't see him being a, uh, a true part of eventually being a, in a playoff team. Right. And, and I think, you know, he'll definitely be an Oriole next year. I don't think they would sign enough guys this mm-hmm. offseason to keep him off the team. And it's more of a question of, you know, if the Orioles really start competing again, you know, where does a guy like Tate fit in? I kind of see him having a Tommy Hunter like career with the Orioles where he's always there. He's always in the bullpen. You know, they tried Tommy Hunter as their closer for like a month and it went terribly. Like maybe they try that once with Dylan Tate, but he's really just like a career middle reliever who has some solid stuff and plays for the Orioles for five or six years. I kind of see that happening with Dylan Tate, of course, in different situations. Hunter the whole time was on a good team. A lot of Tate's time would, would be on a bad team, but he's definitely like an interesting, uninteresting pitcher. It feels like, like he's got good stuff. It could be really good, but it's just super, super average uh, at this point from Dylan Tate. I completely agree. So we'll get back to our conversation about the Orioles' top right-handed relievers with Joe Paparato in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made just for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Orioles every week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Spotify Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to the big news or rumors. So go download the free Spotify Greenroom app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. And follow me, at Connor Newcomb, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live every single week, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Orioles. See you there at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. But now we're going to get to the guy who I thought at the end of the day, and there's arguments to be made, may have been the Orioles' best reliever this year. And this is not something we thought would happen because going into 2021, the thought was Cole Salser is like in DFA danger with the Orioles last offseason. He started 2020 as the closer. And we were like, who is this guy? Came over from the Rays, started off the season pretty strong. Then all of a sudden, he was awful. Couldn't get anybody out. We learned in the offseason he had a broken toe and he said it was messing with his timing and his landing foot and all that stuff. And we thought, you know, okay, maybe that means the Orioles want to see him healthy. So they keep him on the roster. And he doesn't come in as the closer, obviously. He comes in as, as kind of a middle relief guy. And Cole Saucer ended this year Honestly, he was fantastic for most of the year. 63 and a third innings. He had a 2.70 ERA. He had a 2.98 FIP on the season. Uh, His K rate was good. It was uh, just behind Tyler Wells, just decimal points behind Tyler Wells for the best strikeout rate in the Oriole bullpen. His walk rate was still a little high, 8.9% walk rate. You want to get that down, but the strikeout stuff was good. Uh, He added a breaking ball this year, which he really didn't have in the past. He kind of added a slider. It was still his third pitch behind the fastball and the changeup, but I was really 
pleasantly surprised by Cole Sulcer. And it does kind of stink that he had his breakout season at 31, but relievers can tend to be more effective later in their career, just because, you know, they only need to go in, in one inning burst. So, so what's your grade for Cole Sulcer? Yeah. Um, I thought he did very well. Um, and it was definitely a surprise. Um, I, I will give him a, I'm going to give him a B I'm feeling, I'm feeling nice after I think I just gave Dylan Tate a, a pretty low grade. So I'll, I'll give Saucer a B. Um, he, like you said, he's a high strikeout guy. Um, and looking at it from last season where, you know, he blew a couple saves. It was the first time he was ever in a position to save games. Um, he would escape some jams, but he, he put a lot of guys on. So coming into this year, he was, he was definitely a forgotten guy, but um, you know, he came from the Rays organization, I believe uh, a waiver claim two years ago or so. And the Rays just, they, 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 they grind out pitchers. And if there's anybody hanging from there, you better, you better pick them off that tree. Um, so he has, he has that development and background and yeah, he's a late blur. Um, but look, he, he got the job done. Like you said, the last, uh, last nine games, he had 11 innings, didn't give up a single run. Uh, there was a stretch there in July to September where he had a stretch of like 20 some innings and his ERA was like close to five. Um, he was giving up some home runs in there and it was like, okay, well, all right, back to the drawing board. Let's, let's put him in some like less, uh, lower leverage situations and see how we see how it goes. And it was still up and down. Um, started great. Started at the, uh, April until June. He ZRA was, uh, like two, um, in 30 innings. Then he had that bad stretch and he finished, then he finished great. Um, so it, it, they put him into the middle spots and then they kind of towards the end of the year, put him back into the back, uh, the back end. And I was looking through it, his, his ERA in the eighth and ninth. Um, I know ERA is not everything, but um, it was far more superior than his sixth and seventh innings. I don't know why, um, but it's there. Um, in the eighth inning this year, he had uh, 16 and two thirds innings, only walked three guys and struck out 23. Um, so he was very reliable in the back end, um, but he did have longer stretches of, um, of succeeding than he did uh, failure and his failures weren't that bad. Um, he wasn't getting knocked around. Um, his, his hard hit rate is, is kind of down as far as, as far as the averages go. Um, he actually, like you said, that breaking ball, he did turn that into a chase pitch, which is, which is great. It's his out pitch. Um, and I wish a lot of the other relievers would, would get another pitch. I uh, like all the relievers on this team have fastball slider change and it's really not fooling anybody. Um, when you're, when you're mixing up relievers, but, um, yeah, he was up and down. He, he bounced back. Um, he was outstanding with, um, inherited runner scoring. He, he kept them on. Um, yeah, he was, he was reliable for a team that, you know, didn't, wasn't leading much in the later innings. Um, and I certainly think that he, I think might be the, the key piece in, in moving forward because he, he, you know, he, he took his bumps last year and he came back and he did very well. And that's exactly the type of guy that uh, we could, you know, we could see this about him and not necessarily about some of the other guys we're going to talk about. 
Yeah. And, and for Salster, you know, I'm going to give him a B as well. I think that's, that's right mm-hmm. on for the grade. Like he, he had a, some rough stretches. And I think the other thing about it, like at the end of the year, he kind of settled back in and he got some saves for the Orioles when they were playing spoiler and they were beating the Red Sox down the stretch. He got some saves. He was kind of thrown into that role because, you know, we mentioned it earlier. Him and Tate were really the only like experienced relievers left in that bullpen. Fry was in AAA. Tanner Scott was hurt. Tyler Wells was hurt. Um, you know, and they were basically left with those two guys. So Salser had to do it. There was that stretch in the middle of the season when he was put in the closers role. He blew a couple of saves and they kind of pulled him out of that role. But you mentioned those eighth inning numbers. He was the perfect eighth inning guy, it felt like, this year for the Orioles. And, and the pitch I want to talk about, I mean, I know it's great that he has kind of that new breaking ball and he's been able to use it. But, I mean, his bread and butter is fastball changeup, high fastball, low changeup, thing dropping from the knees out of the zone. That changeup this year, I mean, he threw it about a third of the time. And batters only hit 125 against that changeup. He only gave up four extra base hits against it. He got almost 50% of his strikeouts off of that actually i should say more than 50 percent of his strikeouts came off of that change up uh, more than 60 percent, i believe and so that is his pitch it is a really really good pitch like that is an elite pitch in major league baseball not many of the orioles relievers have an elite pitch to be a really good reliever you got to usually have two elite pitches unless you're you know rivera zach Britton, you know kenley jansen those <laughs> yeah, kind of guys right you only and, need one yeah. right and you only need one so he still needs to develop you know which one's going to be that number two to get to that next level but it's a great mm-hmm. start when you look down a bullpen and not a lot of guys have one elite pitch he has one and i think that's what we learned this year and again it does stink that it kind of took until 31 he's obviously a very late bloomer here in baseball but a Hey, you said it perfectly. If the Rays have to DFA somebody and he's a reliever, just claim him. Just claim him and see what happens. Sometimes it's not going to work Figure out. Figure it out later. Yeah, that's fine. Sometimes it won't work out. You can DFA him too. Just claim him every single time. The Orioles did that this year. Chris Ellis, Joey Crable, you know, just keep claiming them, keep churning them. I'm honestly convinced that more than 50% of the time it's going to work out for you and you're going to get a good mm-hmm. pitcher. And listen, I was hard on Solcer after last year. Um, and I really do think he was the Orioles best reliever and, you know, just getting guys to chase. I mean, 83rd percentile in, in the big leagues in chase rate, meaning he's throwing the ball out of the zone and guys are swinging and missing. And now, you know, he goes in next year. I think it'll be really interesting next year. Just want to make this point before we, we move on, but I think it'll be interesting next year because he's had a little bit of troubles in the closer role, but he has experience, you know, he tied for the team lead with eight saves. He had that experience in 2020, but overall he has had some big struggles when he pitched the ninth. But the Orioles, unless they sign someone, really don't have that guy. So it's like, are you going to throw Tyler Wells in there? Will you give it back to Salser? It'll be interesting. But it's nice that at least on a bad team, you don't really need to name a closer. You can just kind of throw guys out there. And Salser will definitely be one of that, those guys to uh, to get that chance. Yeah, exactly. I think he could eventually be a very good setup, uh, setup guy. And like you said, we saw Tyler Wells – go through a really, really great stretch um, this year as a Rule 5 rookie. Uh, it was a fantastic year. And I think that he has uh, he has the stuff to be a closer. He has the mentality to be a closer. It takes a certain type of guy uh, to do that. And I think we see that from Tyler Wells and Cole Salser. You know, if, if Tyler Wells is not available, Cole Salser is reliable. He has experience and he's done it. And I think going forward, I think, I don't think, a guy like Salser, who is is seasoned and who had success this year, will take too much of a step back, um, unless age gets to him. And in which case, he's only thirty two, and I'm thirty two right now. I, I I feel fine. I don't know. Uh, so I don't think that'll be too much of a factor. Um, so yeah, I think he definitely could be a good setup guy. And uh, this year was a good stepping stone for that. 
So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first, gotta tell you about Built Bar and all of their delicious flavors of protein bars. There is truly something for everyone. They've got flavors like coconut, like raspberry, like double chocolate, like cookies and cream, and that is just to name a few. There's so many of them, and they're all so good, it's really hard to pick a favorite flavor. But here's the thing about Built Bars. You're trying all their different flavors. You're eating them. They're delicious. You forget that they're good for you. You feel like you're eating a candy bar, but oh wait. Built Bars are healthy too. That might be the best part. Most of the bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, and only about 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and only about 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, and all healthy. And Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, which is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus. And of course, we've got the World Series this week. You can bet on baseball, but from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And you do it at betonline.ag, where the game starts. So our thanks again to Joe Paparato, sports producer over at WBAL-TV11, for joining us on the podcast once again. First time he's joined us uh, since he took that new job. Uh, but again, good to always talk Orioles with him. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting two guys to talk about today, Dylan Tate and Cole Sulser. You know, you add in Tyler Wells, and those three were, were kind of the top uh, three right-handed relievers that the Orioles used this season. We will talk uh, about Tyler Wells in an episode next week uh, as we continue to give out these grades. But, you know, for Tate and Sulser, interesting seasons because, you know, as I've talked about multiple times on this podcast about Dylan Tate's season, it's hard to grade it. And like, he kind of gets the most average grade. It feels like, because he was just there. He gave the Orioles innings. He'd give you two innings at a time. If he needed to, you know, he had some good stuff, but it just never turned into a lot of swings and misses or a lot of dominance. And he had some struggle at times. He's just a really, really odd pitcher to watch. And you know, he's going to have good stuff. He was the number four overall pick in the 2015 draft by the Texas Rangers, but he's been traded a couple times. You know, the Rangers traded him to the Yankees, then the Yankees traded him to the Orioles and the Zach Britton deal. So, you know, he finally did get to the bigs with Baltimore, but just an interesting pitcher to watch and you know he does kind of remind me of Bruce Dar Gratterall in LA with the Dodgers you know throws over 100 miles an hour got this crazy sinker but nobody swings and misses and he's never turned into a full closer guy that they thought Gratterall was going to be when you know he was initially with the Twins before he was traded to the Dodgers and uh, just kind of interesting pitchers in today's games with this great stuff but not a lot of swing and miss in the game that you see most pitchers try and go for but there's still a place for pitchers like that even as relievers to be these high you know leverage ground ball guys and I think Tate can do that and you know I I don't think there's any chance the Orioles would DFA Dylan Tate or try to move on from him this offseason I think he's a lock guarantee to be back in the Orioles bullpen on the opening day roster in 2022 
too. But next year, I think, will be a huge, huge year for Dylan Tate, where he's still going to be relied on a lot. But the Orioles are going to have to maybe make a decision after next year on Dylan Tate. Like, is he a future piece of this bullpen, or is he just a guy we use to bridge the gap, and it's just still not working out? So I think a lot is going to happen for Dylan Tate in 2022, but he'll be back with the Orioles. In terms of Cole Saucer, I'll say it. He was the Orioles' best reliever this season. And who could have seen that coming after, you know, all his struggles in his first year with the O's in 2020? But, you know, we learned he was pitching with an injury, had broken a toe, and, you know, it was on his landing foot, and it was messing up with his timing. He got a lot better this year. I know he struggled in some save situations, which we talked about with Joe. But overall, you know, he was dynamite in the eighth inning, as Joe talked about. And, you know, for me, I would love to have Cole Salser back. And, you know, if the Orioles found the right trade partner, they might deal him for some prospects. But I think there's a good chance, again, Cole Salser right back in the Oriole bullpen in 2022. And he, you know, is an interesting guy because he's kind of like the veteran presence, you know, 31 years old now. But he's only been in the big since he was a September call-up of the Rays in 2019. That's when he made his big league debut. This year was his first full Major League Baseball season because, of course, you know, 2020 was the shortened season with the Orioles. So although he's one of the oldest guys in that pen most of the time, he's not really a true Major League Baseball veteran because he spent so long uh, in the minor leagues after, you know, the Rays drafted him out of the Ivy League, and it took him a while to finally kind of figure out how to pitch and get to the big league level. But that fastball change combination, he throws in that breaking ball. I'm a big Cole Saucer fan at this point. And again, you know, I don't know if he's a closer. He's probably not. I wouldn't like to see him in that kind of role next year. But, you know, give him some high leverage spots and, and he's going to deliver for the Orioles. Again, he's got that elite changeup, elite, elite pitch like we talked about. And that is huge to have coming out of your bullpen. But, you know, in terms of, of coming out of the bullpen, obviously we're going to see some of the best relievers in the World Series this week, hope you enjoyed Game 1 on Tuesday night. Game 2 tonight, hope you enjoy that as well. Max Fried, the young lefty, is going for the Atlanta Braves. And on the other side, Jose Urquidy, young right-hander, who hasn't pitched a lot this year for Houston, uh, is going for the Astros in Game 2. Uh, you know, I've talked about it. I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for the Braves in this series. And if you remember back, if you listened to our episode a couple of weeks ago where we did postseason predictions here on this show, I picked the Braves to win the World Series. So i got to stick with that as well here on the podcast. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, Joe Paparato is right back with us. The second half of our conversation, we talked about kind of the Orioles' top two right-handed relievers on today's episode. Tomorrow, we talk about the Orioles' top two left-handed relievers from the 2021 season. That is Tanner Scott, and that is Paul Fry. And they had some weird, weird seasons here in 2021. We'll talk about Tanner Scott. Did he figure more out? Did he get worse? What happened to Scott? We'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode, about him basically not having having fastball command, pitching with only a slider for long stretches this season. And then we will really, really dive into the Paul Fry conversation with Joe, what Paul Fry was in the first half, one of the best relievers in the American League, and then what Paul Fry was in the second half, a disaster who ended up finishing his year at AAA. And we'll talk about what that means for Paul Fry as he is arbitration eligible, how in the world do the Orioles attack that this offseason, and we kind of go back and forth on whether we think you know Fry will be a big part of the Orioles in 2022. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode as Joe Paparato is back to join us, giving out grades to Paul Fry and Tanner Scott. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.